If you have your scriptures with you, would you turn to John chapter 6? And while you're turning there, let me say this. Of course the projector would break this morning. I'm talking about troubles, aren't I? Yes, of course. So just a little sermon illustration from God. Um, I, I want to tell you that we're, we're going to be uh, picking up um, from where uh, Orlando left last week. I loved last week. Oh, my goodness. To see all of our brothers and sisters from other lands up here um, uh, speaking Jesus is Lord in their own native tongue. Uh, to, to, to hear us all singing together. It's just like a premonition of heaven. It's, it, it was just so wonderful. And to hear Orlando's challenge to, to picture feeding the rest of the world spiritually like Jesus fed the 5,000 physically. It's the same. If we, if we had to do this, the, the, the number of unreached people groups, we would be in absolute despair. But Jesus has the resources. And so we're depending on him. And, and I want you to remember the end of that story because that's where we pick up today. We've got to get Jesus on the mountain because that's where he is at the start of this, uh, the start of this uh, uh, particular passage in, in John 6, 16. And what happens is uh, that in 14 and 15, the response of the crowd to someone who is able to feed all of them is to elect him king. Now, I want to tell you that our political um, <clears throat> ambitions or our political uh, customs have not changed too much over the years. We get somebody who can offer us a good deal and we want to put them in office. Uh, leadership uh, these days is not uh, so much anymore about who can pull the most out of the people, but who can give the most to the people. And it has been that way for years. And so they want to elect Jesus king. But Jesus knew, as all of us must, that the office without changed hearts can do very little. And so he demurred from the office, thank you very much. And he sent the, the disciples away, and he went to a mountain to pray. And that's where we find him. We find him on that mountain at the opening of this particular scripture reading. Now when evening came, this is verse 16, John 6, 16. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea... And after getting into a boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. And it had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. And the sea began to be stirred up because, of a, because a strong wind was blowing. And when therefore they had rowed about three or four miles, they were about halfway, maybe a little bit further, maybe three quarters of the way across the sea. The Sea of Galilee is, is six miles across, 16 miles long. So they're about three quarters to half, three quarters of the way across. Uh, they beheld Jesus walking on the sea, um, and uh, it says um, they were frightened. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Now let me let me tell you, <clears throat> let me let me just explain. Let me let me uh, exposit this scripture um, geographically and biographically. I want you to know the geography of this lake was one where sudden storms were not unknown to come because this lake is hundreds of feet below sea level and it is surrounded by mountains. Jesus was up on one. And, and so under the right conditions, you can imagine the winds blowing across the mountains and dropping down. 
Not only that, but there were ravines in these mountains. And so the wind that dropped down got trapped in these ravines, which would accelerate its velocity and sweep across this very low-lying um, uh, lake and cause just humongous waves for, for a lake of this size. Now, we can't appreciate that. We live in, we live in central Florida, and we got lakes, and I live on Lake Howell, and there's just, the, I mean, we get winds this big. We go, whoa, it's really windy, you know, waves, you know. Whoa, it's really whipping up today. Because Florida is flat. But you get in this kind of geography, and there is a tremendous chance for these winds to, to cause these huge storms. Well, okay. So here they are caught in a storm. And they start to row. And they row. And they row. And they row. It started out at the beginning of the night. And in Matthew it says, Jesus came to them at the fourth watch. Now this is a Roman figure, not a, a Jewish figure. Only had three watches of the night. But Jesus came to them between three and six o'clock in the morning. You can imagine how long they had rowed. Now when he came, they weren't glad. They were scared. Why? Partly because they couldn't see him, but partly because by that time they were so worn out that they figured anything that came was not going to be good. Think about this for a minute. Some of you are in the middle of a storm in your life right now that has been chronic. I mean, it was not unusual to have a storm in this lake. It's not unusual to have this storm in your life. But that doesn't make it any easier. Because somehow in the middle of the storm, even when we've been through it before, there is this sense of alarm that goes off on us. Maybe this is the last time. Maybe this is the big one, Elizabeth. Maybe I'm coming. It doesn't matter how, long, how often you've been through something, it still is scary when you're going through it, when you're in the midst of it, especially when you've been rowing a while. Because the longer you row, the more exhausted you get. And the more exhausted you get, the more discouraged you get, and the more you begin to look for catastrophe. I've been at this so long, this ain't going to end good. And the more you look for catastrophe, the more suspicious you get of anything that comes toward you. You can't imagine that being good. And they couldn't imagine Jesus coming toward them being good. Now watch this. What is their reaction? They just freeze. Until he says something, which we'll read in a minute. They just freeze. And I'll tell you why. Because we have this thing inside of us that no matter what the intervention might be, we'd rather row. We know how to row. And for some modicum of control of something we know how to do, we're much more comfortable than reaching out to something we don't know about. And so there is a habit in all of us, especially when we've been in a storm a long time, to cling to knowing what you know how to do. Because it gives you some sense of control. I want to say to you this morning, you don't need to row. You don't need to cling to control. You need intervention. You need something that God can bring. Now, why would they, were they not looking for God? They knew Jesus. They knew he was a miracle worker. They had been apart from him long enough. 
not to look for him, not to be able to see. In the first place, it was dark and it was stormy. And they just figured Jesus was off on this mountain someplace, as many of you do right now. If you're going through it, part of the character of depression, part of the character of being frightened is you figure God's off on his mountain, but he sure ain't here. And so you don't look for him right there. And that's exactly what was going through their minds. They figured if they couldn't see him, he couldn't see them. That's wrong. That's wrong. I heard a story one time about a little kid. Uh, I don't know whether this is true or not, but it, it, but it could have been. Uh, the house was on fire. The kid somehow ended up on the second story balcony or on the roof of the house. I can't remember which. And, uh, and the, the smoke was just going on. His father had made it out. And so his father was standing maybe 10 feet down from him. And he kept saying, jump, honey, jump. I'm down here. And the kid's up there and he's shouting, but I can't see you. And the father said this, it doesn't matter whether or not you can see me. I can see you. You jump, I'll catch. Some of you need to hear that from God this morning. You can't see God. You figure he's off on a mountain somewhere. Number one, he's not off on a mountain. And number two, it doesn't matter whether you can see him or not. He can see you. You jump, he'll catch. That's the deal. So here they are. They're in the middle of the storm. Jesus knows that they are absolutely um, at their wit's end. He knows that, he knows that, that, um, that they are uh, so um, struggling and so he knows that he's got to identify himself. And, and this is what he says. Look at verse uh, uh, 19. He said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Now I want to pause right there. And I, I don't want to go on before you have heard those words. These are in red. These are the words of Jesus. But I want you to know that's not just a general message. That is a personal message. And I want you to really hear that this morning. I want you to hear it from God. He's using my vocal cords because they're available. But I want you to hear those words for yourself. Some of you are going through something right now that it never occurred to you that this would happen to you. I mean, I mean you, you know what happens to other people. But some, something has come so suddenly in your life, you could not possibly have anticipated it. I mean, you look back now and say, why couldn't I see this coming? Like they, like they you know, I'm a fisherman. I, I, I go out in boats. I've seen storms before. Why couldn't I have seen this coming? You, do, you couldn't, okay? You couldn't. You didn't have the perception back then. Quit blaming yourself. But you're, you're into something, something right now that is so sudden and so startling and you are so disoriented. I want you to hear the words of Christ this morning. It is I. Don't be afraid. I want you to hear that. Some of you are in a storm that has been going on so long. It's such a chronic thing in your life that it's not a surprise anymore. As a matter of fact, you can't imagine your life out of that storm. You have been rowing so long, it's the only life you've come to expect, and you're tired. And so, because you're tired, you've lost all perspective that this can ever end, that it'll ever get better. That's a, that's a marker of depression, by the way. You can't imagine, it's dark, it's stormy, stormy, and you can't see the end of the trip. And so you think, maybe there's not an end of the trip. 
and you're so tired you can hardly get out of bed in the morning. I want you to hear the voice of Jesus Christ. It is I. Don't be afraid. Those are your words. Some of you are so frustrated because of your limitations. You're in the middle of this storm and you just keep thinking, if I just had a bigger boat. <laughs> you know, if I just had more people rowing. I just need a few more resources. Let me tell you something straight. Your resources are your resources. You haven't got any more resources. That's your boat. Those are your supporters. That's all you got. But let me tell you this. It doesn't matter. Hear the words of Jesus. It is I. Don't be afraid. Some of you, some of you are very angry about this storm. I mean, you're not just surprised, you're mad. How you cope with being threatened is anger. That's how you get control. And you're just railing against the wind. And you wish it had stopped, and it isn't stopping, and you're getting madder and madder. <laughs> I want to tell you something. It isn't helping. It is not helping. Listen to the words of Jesus. It is I. Don't be afraid. You need to hear those words this morning. And when he had made himself known. When they heard his words, there were two reactions. There were two reactions because there are generally two reactions when you actually hear the words of Christ and you estimate what's going to happen. First of all, when Christ comes to you on the water, and he does... Some of you wish, I just wish it would go away. And you know what? There are a few occasions in your life where it has. There are a few occasions in life where the water just parts and dries up and you go across on dry ground. Exodus 14, 16. Some of you have experienced that. I mean, absolutely the special miracle favor of God and you faced what you thought was an insurmountable challenge and it disappeared. And you said, thank you, God. You just walked on across. And I, and I pray that happens to you. I think that would be wonderful. But there are so many more passages where the water stays. But the danger goes. And that's the key. It says in Job 9.8 that he walks, he treads down the waves. I love that. In Hebrew it, it says... He walks on the heights of the water. You know what that means? You ever seen the waves when they break? They're, when they're so high they're just about to break? It just means that's, his, that's the marks of his footsteps. <laughs> Isn't that great imagery? He comes across the water. It says in Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2, When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And the rivers, they will not overflow you. It says in... in, in uh, um, Psalm 107. I love this passage. Psalm 107, verses 23 through 29, or through 30. It says this. 
Those who go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters. And let me tell you, just experientially, all of us who get out of bed go down to the waters. When you get out of bed, you start your first risk. When you get out of bed, it's not risky to trust in Jesus. It's risky not to trust in Jesus. There will be storms. You can predict it. That's just part of living in this world. That's part of working in this world. And it says this, They have seen the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He spoke and raised a stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. They rose up to the heavens and they went down to the depths and their soul melted away in their misery. And they reeled and staggered like a drunken man and were at their wit's end. Some of you are so disoriented right now that you can't focus on the simplest task anymore. I mean, it's, it's literally like you're drunk. You, 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 every time you think you got it, your mind wanders. Every time you think you can focus and get a list done, you start thinking of that thing that's hurting you or that thing that's threatening you right now. You understand this. You know what it is to be disoriented from the storm. Look at what it says. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brought them out of their distress. He caused the storm to be still, so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad, because they were quiet. So He guided them to their desired haven. I'm going to tell you, someday the storm will end. I, you need to hear that from me. You, if you're in the middle of it, you can't hear it from yourself. But you need to hear that from me. It will be over. It will be over. I love Revelation 21.1 when it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and the sea was no more. <laughs> Someday it'll pass. This too shall pass. You need to hear that. But if the water doesn't go away, and the storm keeps going, you need to hear this. Jesus is coming. He is there. And there are two things that you can do. One, some of you are so tired to say, I can't do anything. All I can do is sit in this boat. You want to come in? Come on in. I can't do anything. That was the response in John Chapter 6, verse 21. And they were willing, therefore, to receive him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Some of you think, I'll never get out of this because I haven't even got the energy to serve God. You know what is great about God? This is so different than any other perception of God in the world. Grace. Grace. You don't have to do works in order to get God to respond. God can, God can and will respond to you when you don't do anything because that's how great His love is. I, I turned on, I forget why I was home, but I turned on uh, Oprah Winfrey. I was flipping through Oprah Winfrey and the other day they had, a, they had a program on about karma. All about karma. You know, what you put into the world, that's what you're going to get out. Well, you know, there's a degree of truth in that. We believe, the Bible says, you reap what you sow. We believe that. But if all, if that's all we ever had to look forward to, 
We don't, I just, you know, I, it, it, come on, come on. We'd all be dead by now. If we all got what we deserved, we'd all be dead on a doornail by now. We've got this God who gives to us what we don't deserve because he loves us like we, like we don't deserve. That's the great thing. So if you're sitting there thinking, God, I can't do anything. All I can do is keep, I'll keep rowing, but I can't. He'll say, okay, it's all right. I'll get in a boat. That's okay. But there's another response, and some of you are here. You're saying, look, if I'm going through this thing, I'm going to take the next step. I'm going to take the next step in my relationship with God. I'm going to take the next step in my faith. I'm not going to stay and wait for him. I'm going to go out and meet him where he is in the storm. Turn to Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. 22 through 33, Matthew 14. Actually, let me begin with where we are in John, just working off where we are. Verse 27, Matthew 14, 27 says this, Immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. That's what we just read. And Peter, I love Peter. I love this guy. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I love this. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But... There's always a but, isn't there? Yeah, because he got out there and he thought, what am I doing? <laughs> In reality, I think they call this buyer's remorse, don't they, David? I mean, you, you, you buy something and you think, what have I just gotten myself into? That's exactly what he did. But, it says, seeing the wind. You can't see wind. What was happening is that he was starting to estimate the storm. Seeing the wind, he became afraid and beginning to sink. And you know that feeling. As soon as you think, what have I gotten myself into? You have this literal sinking feeling. Oh, no. And he began to sink and he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I love that. First of all, let me say, it's, this, is not, this is not about just taking risks. There are some of you who just get a rush out of taking risks. Well, God bless you and save you. I, I, this is, this is talking about a step of faith. This is talking about looking at Christ and saying, Christ, is this what you want me to do? I'd like some permission here. I want to know this is within your will. Because I'm not about taking risks. I'm about coming to you. So what I'm about to say is, is to those of you who want to go to Christ. And what I'm about to say has nothing whatsoever to do with the amount of faith that you have. Remember, the amount of faith in, in Greek, in, in, in the Greek sense... Only Greeks measured things. Hebrews, faith always had to do with relationship. And so little faith meant, are you keeping the relationship as your point? That's what, that's what it meant. 
And this is exactly what happens. He gets out of the boat. He starts walking. And he takes his eyes off Jesus. Just exactly like we do. This, this doesn't take a whole lot of preaching. You know this. He's going toward Jesus. And he's, he's, he takes his eyes off Jesus. And he begins to estimate, what are my chances of walking on water? <laughs> I mean, how many times are you in this great faith walk, and then you start to do a self-evaluation? You're not doing a Jesus evaluation of you anymore. You're doing a self-evaluation. And you start to think, what am I thinking? I can't possibly do this. And you start sinking. I want to tell you something very important this morning. God gives you a choice. You can either look at yourself or you can look at Him. You can't do both at the same time. You've got a choice. You can either believe what He says you can do or you can estimate what you think you can do. You can't do both at the same time. You can either look at Him or look at you. You can either listen to his call or listen to the storm. You can't do both at the same time. You've got to make a choice. That's why Hebrews 12, 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the beginning and the end. And anywhere in the middle where you divert your attention, you're going to start to sink. It's not a matter of how much faith you have. It's a matter of where you're looking. And let me tell you something about God. He wants you to see you in Him. I heard the neatest story the other day. I love this story. This guy was on the fourth day of his honeymoon, happy as he could be. Said, I have married the perfect woman. This is so great. Laying in bed, he said, oh, this is like heaven. This is wonderful. And for the first time, he heard something come out of her mouth that he completely did not understand. Here she is standing in front of the mirror, across the room, standing in front of the mirror, combing her hair. And she starts to criticize her body. Can I get a witness? <laughs> He'd never heard that before. She's standing in front of that mirror and she just starts to go from head to foot. What's wrong with her body? Griping about her body. How she is not pretty. Well, of course, his first response is to jump up and, and or want to jump up and try and run over and, and make her like herself. But he knows better than that. He's been, he'd been around the barn a couple times and he, he knows that's not going to work. But God gives him this great inspiration of an idea. Wonder what he did? He got out of bed. He walks over to her. And he just gently lays his hands on her shoulders. And he gently just turns her around. And he takes the hairbrush and just puts it down. And then he takes both of his hands and he cups her face. And he looks deep into her eyes. And this is what he says. He says, honey... From now on, I want to be your mirror. From now on, when you want to know how you look, I want you to look in my eyes. From now on, 
If you doubt for a second that you're beautiful, if you doubt for a second that you're perfect, that God didn't make you exactly like what I needed, I want you to look at me. And honey, if it takes breaking every mirror in the house <laughs> to get you to believe me, I'll do it. Because from now on, I want to be your mirror. I love that. You know why? Because it's exactly what Jesus says to us. Don't sit there and tear yourself down. Don't think that your estimation of yourself is true. My estimation is what counts. My look at you. What I see is what's real. You can't look at yourself and look at Jesus at the same time. You got to choose. Now, one more thing. There was a general result of that day. And there were two different results, both of them good. You don't have to have winners and losers at everything. Both of them won. There were the people who stayed in the boat. They couldn't do anything but wait. They didn't have the energy. They didn't have the foresight. They didn't have that special faith <laughs> that responds. You know, there, there, there are four different ways you can respond to threats, not three. You learned in Psych 101 there were three. In three, you either freeze or you flee or you fight. You know what happens when you walk by a cricket. He goes. <laughs> Same thing happens when people get scared. Most of them go. And they think to themselves, if I don't move, they can't see me. <laughs> It'll go away. Some of you just run. Whoa, no way. You're gone. Some of you fight. Boy, that's just, you're just mad. That's proven effective for you somehow in the past. And you just fight. But you know what? There's some stuff you can't fight. Because it's not something you can fight. What about the fourth alternative? Faith. Well, some of us have enough of a relationship that we can just sit there and say, come on. I love it. Come on into my world. You're not going to be at a stage in your life very much right now where you have the foresight or you've got the energy or you've got the wherewithal to change. And I want to tell you, that's okay. God's going to come to you anyhow because he's a gracious God. Some of you, the only place you can see God clearly right now is in the church. Now, someday hope that you can see him just as clearly out there, but this is where you see him most clearly. So that's, that's it. You know, God's going to come to you in the church. Some of you, the only place you can really feel like he's using you is in your area of expertise. And once you get out of your area of expertise, you just feel like, well, God can't be, be calling me to this. This is not my area. This is not my spiritual gift. This is my, not my area of expertise. I looked at, I looked at that list uh, of Sunday school teachers and helpers that they need, and I just, thank you, God, I'm a preacher and I'm, a, I'm busy. No. I, <laughs> but look at the age of these kids. Look at the age of these kids. Four and down, isn't it? Or something like that. Now, I'm thinking, that would be so goofy for me to 
to teach a Sunday school class. And then my very next thought was, that may be exactly what God wants me to do, just to get out of my boat. Now, if I don't get out of my boat, God's going to love me anyhow. It's a, it's a win-win. But, but it may not, I, I, I'll talk about out of the boat in a minute. So, some of you have traditional ways of coping, and you're not ready to leave those yet. God's going to come to you anyhow. Uh, he, he may be nursing you so that you can get at least to the edge, but he's going to come to you anyhow. Some of you have refused to dream anything big for years because you can't take one more disappointment. God's going to come to you anyhow. But there are others, and you know who you are. <laughs> and you know that this is a stage of life where God's going to take you to something you've never been in before. You know that's where he's got you. And you're just saying, God, is that you out there? And you're hearing him say, come on. And so you're willing to step out of the boat. And I want to say this to you. Good for you. Good for you. You keep your eyes on Jesus. And what's going to happen is this. You're not going to be loved anymore by God or any less. But you're going to have some doozy memories when you get to your dying day. You're going to have some unique experience with God because you decided to go outside your area of comfort, to go outside your boundaries, to meet him where he is. I just keep thinking, if Peter was old enough to have grandchildren, I don't know when Peter was martyred, I know he was, but if he was old enough to have grandchildren, wouldn't it be unbelievable to have your grandchild sitting on your knee one day? There he is. And you look at him and say, Jimmy, you know what I did one day? What? Walked on water. <laughs> Wouldn't that be an incredible thing? When, 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 when he went, Peter went to heaven to look around and say, did it. Walked on the water. Not very long, but I did it. <laughs> Some of you are going to have those kinds of memories. Some of you, when you get to heaven, you will have been out of the boat so long, you won't look like much. But what stories you're going to have to tell. I, I, I just, I heard one time about David Livingston. You remember David Livingston who went into the heart of Africa to give his life to the tribal people. He was a brilliant man. He was a brilliant musician, a brilliant physician. He I cannot tell you the capabilities of this man. And decided to go and just with, live with some natives in Africa. At one point of his life, he was, he was getting to be older. He was about my age. And, and for some reason, he ended up in England for a short stay. And, and they invited him to come to this class at the university to address the class. By this time, he was a world-famous missionary. And this class waited anxiously to see this man they had never seen. They expected this giant to walk in. <laughs> the door opened and this little guy walked through the door. His skin was all burned and leathered and his hair was all brittle from being burned in the sun. His little body was so emaciated from so many years of jungle fever. 
his right arm just hung limp at his side because he had been attacked by a lion. And this whole class didn't know what to do, so they just stood up. They didn't clap. They didn't say anything. They just stood up. Someday some of you are going to have some great memories because you trusted God and you got out of the boat. Let me ask the worship team to come back. And I, I just want to have a brief period of, of prayer for you today. You didn't think we'd get out of here without prayer, did you? No way. We're going to do our Northland distributed prayer like we always do. And I, and I, want, you, I want you to know that we're going to pray for three things. That we get this uh, terrific song. I can't wait for the song. But here's what I want. I want to pray for three areas. First of all, I want to pray for those of you who are very close to someone who is going through a storm right now. And, 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 and you want us to pray for them, but they're not here. So I want you to represent them. Number two, some of you are going through it, and you just, man, you're so disoriented, you don't know which way's up. And I want to pray for you. And then there's some of you ready to get out of the boat. And we want to pray for you. So everybody stand up. You know how we do this. Now, if you are very close to someone, know someone who is in the middle of a really catastrophic situation right now. I mean, they're just really hurting and, and, and they just need prayer. They just need God. Would you please sit down so that you can represent them and let us pray for them while you're sitting down? Thank you. Thank you. Whew, a lot of pain, huh? Okay, those of you who know the drill, those of you who are surrounding them, lay hands on them. This is distributed prayer. <laughs> You pray where you are for the person next to you. That's how we do it. And as you feel those hands, I want you to feel this prayer going through you to that person that you know and love. God, you're close to that person, even though they're not here today. You're close to that person. You have access to their hearts. And we would pray for two things. First of all, we would pray that you would use this to draw them close to you. That you would use this to show them your love and your greatness. And second, Lord, we would pray that you would calm the storm. Our heart goes out to them. Help them to make it through no matter how long they've been rowing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, please stand up. Second group. If you're going through a rough time right now, and I know you sit there going, oh, I don't like to admit it. Listen, if you got out of bed, you're in the ship. All of us are going to go through a storm sooner or later. But if you're going through a rough time right now, and you would give us the privilege of praying for you, would you sit down right now? Thank you. This is such an honor for us to be able to do this. Thank you. This is family business. All right, if you're around somebody... Lay your hands on somebody who's sitting down. Lay your hands on them. And I want you just to feel the love coming through those hands. Because it's God's. Lord, we pray. These are, this is our family here. And we pray for them. But they're your family. And the great thing about this is that you love them more than we do. And you are so... Um, intending to, 
to use this time for their good. Father, they know that in their heads. They may not know that, know that in their hearts. So please reassure them. Reassure them that this will be for their good and for everyone's good. And Lord, not only fix it, but in the end, make it worth it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, please stand up. Now for the last prayer, everybody sit down. You knew this was coming, didn't you? There are some of you who God is calling to take the next step. You're, you're going into a whole new transition in your life. And you are willing to stand with Him. You are willing to, to, to get out of the boat and say, God, I'm not going to wait for you to come to me. I'm going to go out into the storm and find you where you are. If you have that kind of situation and you want to make that kind of public declaration today, would you stand so we can pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yahoo. This is exciting. All right. You know the drill. Put your hands on them. God, thank you that faith overcomes fear. Thank you that we can we can absolutely depend upon you and you are going to build some very special memories in these people with some very unique experiences that they will be grateful for all their lives. Lord, we have just one prayer for them, that they could continue to focus on you, that they could keep their eyes on you, Jesus, so that they can come to you and see in your eyes, what you were trying to accomplish. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated.